0: Bitcoin accumulation country. I'm your host, Coin Icarus. This is the Fun with Bitcoin podcast, sponsored by Crypto Cloaks 3D Printing. Check them out for all your 3D printing needs and also sponsored by CoinBeast. Book a one on one video call with a Bitcoin pro and take your Bitcoin knowledge game to the next level. All right, sat down for a second edition of talking with Frito2x. So we, you know, we talked about uh, a lot of, you know, kind of the, uh, you know, Bitcoin and medicine in our first chat, but there were some other things, you know, there were some other concepts that he wanted to go through, not just about medicine or the vaccine, but also inflation. So we dug into that really nicely in this episode. Anyways, without further ado, here is my chat with Frito2x. All right, everyone. It's the Fun with Bitcoin podcast. I'm your host, Coin Icarus. Joining me is Return Offender, fellow Bitcoin pleb at Frito2x. Frito, thank you very much for joining me again on my podcast, man.
1: Hey, what's up, Phil? I just wanted to come on like that BitConnect guy and do the wasa wasa thing. Whatever. Right after? <laughs> I heard you and Pirate talk about all the dark shit that surrounded that, so I'm scared to do that now. Um, and I was really excited to talk to you about 60K, because when we set this up, it was above 60K. Yep. And now meeting Ramen Noodles and Bugs. What What the hell, man? You promised we were going to the moon.
0: I know. I did. I, I did. It's, it, it's my foresight that's bad. But right now, we're sitting at like 48K. And speaking of Pirate, he says, what's up, and have fun staying cold. <laughs>
1: <So>. <laughs> yeah, I thought – that, that's a low blow. That's a low blow. I
0: know. I, I figured because he, he knows. He knows that we're freezing our asses off. I, I've sent him pics while, while he's, you know, he, he's seen and he knows. <laughs>
1: but, but I appreciate you asking me to come on again as, as a Bitcoiner. It's kind of like being asked to come back on Oprah. Um, and I enjoyed your last interview with Bitcoin Motorist. <laughs> his, his rabbit hole story, story was pretty wild. He, he wasn't interested in Bitcoin until he got hit in the head really hard, right? Yep. And, and
0: but, not only that, but orange-pilled
1: by the YouTube algo. Yeah, like, I, that's that's right. That was that was pretty weird too, because normally they'd be steering you the other way. But but maybe getting clubbed in the head during lockdowns will do the trick for everybody else. <laughs> yeah, um, we're
0: that that's a very good point actually. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask
1: if if Real Vision's crypto gathering asked you guys to come on and be speakers.
0: No, no, we're 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 not we're not big enough for that. I I, I know that that you know I appreciate that that you you know you call me you know call this show equivalent to Oprah, but you know, uh, there's, as you know, way bigger platforms out there. <laughs> well,
1: so it's, it's, it's my Oprah, but, and, but that Raul Pell is like superpower. He can like understand and not understand sound money at the same time. He's, he's just a dirty, dirty scammer. He kind of freaks me out. He, he really does. And
0: the reason why he freaks me out is because they, they have a lot of followers. And the problem is, is that look, at the end of the day, right. Um, you know, regardless of who you are, people, people want easy money, you know, they, they do. And, and when you you know you listen to guys like Ralph Paul, they they make it seem like it's it's so easy, and you just you know listen to his bullshit, you know, right. pay him, pay it, him his subscription, and, and he'll tell you what to get. And it's it's really
1: just not the way it works. It's disappointing when when good people go on these platforms because they're essentially endorsing the platforms. And, and some influencers are worse than others, but but crony Bitcoinism is a spectrum disorder. And I'll still listen to a lot of them, but they lose a couple points in my book. Interesting. What what did you call it? crony Bitcoinism
0: it, All right let's let's dive into that what's what's crony bitcoinism?
1: Well it's, it's kind of like people who are bitcoiners but they're not 100% pure bitcoiners kind of like how there's you know capitalism and crony capitalism where the socialism yep. kind of overlaps it so I just made that up. <laughs> I, like, I like it no I,
0: I like it I mean it's it's making me think of the uh, it's making me think of uh, you know I, I love Bitcoin by my shitcoin.
1: Well, how can you be yeah. like a pure Bitcoiner who, who just waxes poetic about Bitcoin and then you're, you're on stage um, at an at a event hosted by a company like Real Vision that, that is called Crypto Gathering. Like, how, how do you even allow for that to happen? I find that strange.
0: I, I really I, I really hate the um the the mixing of the term crypto with bitcoin. I actually saw something there was something I tweeted on today. Um I think it was Bloomberg uh crypto and 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 that's a, you know like that like they were talking about like being a crypto investor. And I'm like there's there's no such thing as a crypto investor. Like you yeah. you're either you you're either a you know you're either a you know like a a shitcoin speculator or you're you're a Bitcoiner. I, I really don't you know, and I get it. I know there's some people that you know trade shit coins and for ultimately more Bitcoin. I obviously don't prescribe to that. I, I don't think that that's okay because it pushes it pushes the narrative of shit coining and it validates it by pumping money into their into their system. Um, but yeah, you know, like that's I guess that that's where some of us draw the line.
1: Right. I I don't think you can be a investor when you're. Buying things that actually have like no actual use case. Like the the thing has to have a use case to say you're investing in whatever, you know, that that thing is supposed to do.
0: Yeah. It's a very Um, good point,
1: you know, but, um, but it's hard not to get depressed these days. You know, we've got exponential fiat inflation, the beginning of negative interest rates, UBI starting wealth inequality, increasing job quality, decreasing civil rights going away. And you said on your show the other day that we're paying for our own shackles. And that just makes (laughs) me sad. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to bring you down on your own show, but there's a lot of bad stuff going on. <laughs> no, that doesn't.
0: No, it doesn't bring me down. And it's interesting that you say that because I, I've had these types of discussions, right, with like close family. And they're like, Phil, you know, how come you're, you know, how, how come you're not depressed, like thinking what you think and knowing what you know? I'm like, I'm like honestly, I'm like, I, I have hope. I mean, I, I'm, I consider myself a realist and sometimes I get hyperbolic, but at the same time. I, I have a lot of hope for humanity. I, I believe that, you know, whatever number, the small number of people that truly desire freedom, their desire will out, I, I believe it will outperform the, the, the mediocre desire of all the evil shits that, you know, just want to yeah, have we're... us eating bugs and
1: living in our <laughs> pods. <laughs> Owning nothing and being happy. Um,
0: we yeah. only have one shot
1: at this, you know, hope, hope.com. Um, but... <laughs> But, Phil, I, right. I have a hot take. I think that we need to redefine inflation. Yeah,
0: let's talk about that, man, because inflation is very interesting, right? We, we get a very false narrative from the mainstream media as to what inflation is, and then you get to see all those, you know, Fred charts. So let's dive I, into it. I want it. to
1: make the case that we do it to ourselves, too, though. And I, I saw you and Nico debating this with Samson last week because I watched that one, too. And uh, you know the question: What is inflation? And, and that question is almost as important as Breed loves What is money? Uh, is it CPI two percent? Is it sailor melting ice cream fifteen percent? What commodity are we even measuring? So, so Bitcoin's greatest weapon is information. And if people knew what was happening, everybody would own Bitcoin, right? Um, most people have this sinking feeling that we're getting screwed, and and what's happening is, and you know this, but. Money printing is going exponential. Wealth inequality is increasing via the Cantillon effect. Technology is making jobs irrelevant and wages are stagnant and things are like really complicated. So it's important to be able to communicate about inflation effectively if we're gonna win the information war. Um, so Love, and Booth, they just released their first episodes. Um, the third one came out today. I haven't heard it yet, but it's really great. And, and one of the main themes is that we're having difficulty measuring things in economic terms. So when we look at inflation in the traditional context of declining purchasing power over time, it's confusing. And some top Bitcoiners get stumped when they're trying to describe inflation. So, so I have a thought experiment for you. Um, and we don't have to get specific, but roughly describe Bitcoin's inflation rate. Hmm. Roughly
0: describe Bitcoin's inflation rate.
1: Yeah, how would a Bitcoiner describe okay. how Bitcoin so, inflation works? Okay,
0: so look, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to get some pushback on this, but I, I believe that Bitcoin doesn't actually have any inflation.
1: Ah, I, I, on, I, you, you beat me on my own thought experiment. So. I'm
0: so sorry, I, but I, I'm sorry. I, I wanted to, to go back to something else that, that you said before we dive into more of the thought experiment that, that you said about inflation. Inflation is intentionally confusing, but let, let's continue with the thought experiment.
1: Yeah, I want to talk about why it's intentionally confusing. I, I, I have an argument for this. Oh, cool. But, but, the, but the thought experiment is, and okay, I, I get your point, and that's very solid. <laughs> but, but, but Bitcoin's inflation rate is pretty well known because it's just simple math that we describe. And there's yeah. different ways that people talk about how we get to 21 million, right? Um, so it's an asymptotic decrease in inflation rate over time, or somebody might say 6.25 every 10 minutes compared to 21 million. And even the stock to flow, a way of describing inflation they're just kind of overlaying price history on that so so all these ways of describing bitcoin's inflation rate focus on the production of bitcoin relative to the overall supply so they describe the inflation of the thing right mhm so so on the other hand when we describe fiat inflation we do, we do it differently we talk about it in terms of purchasing power like everybody defaults to that so why do even bitcoiners describe the inflation rate of fiat using a different definition than they do with bitcoin so that's true okay. And I think that calculating changes in fiat purchasing power is the wrong approach because what we're doing is we're reporting changes in percent values of purchasing power. And the problem is that the percent value is dependent on three variables. It's dependent on changes in fiat-based money supply because an increase in fiat-based money supply should increase prices. And it's dependent on technological advancement, allowing for increasing efficiencies of producing goods and services. And perpetual increased technological deflation should drive prices down exponentially. So these two opposing forces affect purchasing power and then it gets more confusing because it's dependent on the third variable, whatever commodity you pick to measure inflation with. So the problem is calculating percent change in purchasing power is Once you obtain that number, you can't be sure how much the value is weighted towards any one of the three variables. So it's not an independent variable, and it's of limited utility the way that we're doing it.
0: Okay, I don't know if this adds to the conversation or just introduces confusion, but from what you just said, it got me thinking, right? So uh-huh. because, because technology is, you know, we're supposed to get this um, kind of like the way that I see it. Um, I, I don't know if uh, technology isn't necessarily supposed to be inflationary, I, I don't think. And, and I think that we're supposed to get a, uh, a better quality of, I guess, commodities or I mean like you know the items that we buy and stuff like that like I believe that they should be higher
1: quality so I, I think that right. we're, we're higher making... quality cheaper but but I'm making the argument that the way that we define inflation is is hiding what's really going on about why we're not getting higher quality cheaper oh yeah
0: absolutely that that's exactly right but I, I was gonna say like I think that that's part of it is that we're, we're having these advances in technology but the thing is is that our our money is so garbage that all we're doing is using that technology to make um uh, uh uh what's that uh like kind of like these items that have a built-in end of life right that's shorter and shorter and shorter short-term thinking
1: yeah. incentivized by garbage money um but so i heard parker lewis say that price signals really important to communicate information so we have an efficient economy and inflation is used to calculate prices. So we need accurate inflation calculation to determine how to price things like goods or our own time. So we traditionally calculate inflation using purchasing power of which pricing itself is directly proportional. So how are we supposed to calculate price efficiently when the inflation information used to calculate the price is calculated from the price. So we're just going around a circle and our current definition of inflation is confusing essential price signals. Oh, um,
0: yeah, no, that that's a very good point. But, and we're also, I mean, I think we're obviously also being impacted by the fact that, you know, the money is constantly being, uh, you know, being printed. So this is also right. affecting our purchasing power. Right. Um,
1: and I'm not the first person to say this, but our terminology is backwards. Like a decline in purchasing power should imply a deflation of purchasing power. We make it sound good. Um, But, but here's the thing, what if we're measuring the wrong thing? Like what if our economics textbooks that that talk about purchasing power have been a Keynesian psyop and and the thing being inflated is the money supply. And that should be just a straightforward, simple calculation for us to calculate. Um, and I I think we've been tricked because when we view inflation in terms of purchasing power, that natural exponential technological deflation of prices is hiding money supply inflation. So, so by getting us to focus on the wrong thing, we underestimate base money inflation. So we're failing to communicate the magnitude of monetary-based inflation. Um, and what that does is that allows the people controlling the money printers to use the Cantillon effect to skim the added value of the technological deflation without us being able to do it, like, effectively communicate what's happening. And, and we're all still talking about it that way.
0: Hmm. It's really, uh, I mean, that, that, that's really interesting. Um, I, the, the way that you're explaining it, it, it definitely
1: is. Well, I want to get like a, you know um, some of these big shots' take on this because they all talk about it in terms of purchasing power, and I don't get it. I, I think that that's, it,
0: but I, I think that that's like what you said, right? It's a, it's a Keynesian psyop. Like we just, you know, we just accept it, and yeah. and, and it's true, and it's true, right? Like I, I kind of always wondered, like you know, why, you know, why is the the rate, why is this so confusing? And it's confusing intentionally, I think, because it really makes no sense.
1: Yeah, so like when you talk to a guy like Samson, who's super smart, you know, you guys have this conversation, what's inflation? You all kind of like, well, maybe it's this, or maybe it's this, and then it's kind of, you know, goes away, <laughs> but, but like, <laughs> it, it, it should be very simple, right? Inflations is like, how much money did you make in some period of time over, how, you know, what the, the stock, you know, to money was. Um, but we complain about fiat being like a poor measuring stick for value, but our inflation measuring stick is broken. So, cause if we keep viewing inflation in terms of purchasing power, because of that technological deflation, the goalpost keeps moving. So it'd be a lot easier if we had the simple concrete values so we can communicate more effectively.
0: But I think I, I think to your point though, we're even more skewed than we believe because we are not actually um, like we aren't actually experiencing the full benefits of the technological deflation. Right. The technological deflation that we should be having isn't occurring because the crap that we're making with it doesn't actually last, which forces us to stay on the wheel to continue, uh, you know, to essentially to continue earning so that we can Mm -hmm. continue to consume items that we've already consumed. Well, because our economy is completely
1: inefficient, we're inefficient at solving problems. But at the same time, there still is uh, exponential technology going on that is providing value to somebody, but I think they're stealing it and hiding it with, in ways like this.
0: Yeah. I, I definitely think like, look, I definitely think that these things are not coming to, to the public. Right.
1: Yeah. But I, everybody defaulting to fiat purchasing power to measure inflation is like everybody saying, Brando's got what plants crave. That's just like, we've been programmed to say that.
0: Yeah, it's true. No, we absolutely have, you know, um, but if we accurately, if we accurately measured inflation, then the government would have their, you know what I mean, the the uh, the finger pointed at them.
1: Oh yeah, there's a, there's a reason that's happening. Yeah. Um, but, but but you know, right now we we want to communicate information as effectively as possible because there's just so much bad information out there, and um, we're not going to win this war unless we learn to communicate better. Um, so I wanted to also talk about. Have you heard people like Preston Pish suggesting we might be on the brink of hyper Bitcoinization? The this, this cycle might be it. Yeah. Yeah. I have a controversial take, Phil.
0: Oh, no problem, man. Let's, let's go for it. I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that statement myself. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to crash again at the end of the cycle.
1: <laughs> um, I, I don't want to be tone vase because I know how much he angers the plebs, but I expect us to crash again. Um, you know, Croesus described the mechanisms of the Bitcoin cycle really well. And that guy's like a real hall of famer. He's had a couple of just amazing ideas, but you know, in 2013, we had our bags packed for the moon and in 2017, we thought this is it again and you know we just got fooled both times so president bush said it best he said fool me once shame on shame on you fool me you can't get fooled again you know what i mean <laughs> yeah um so do i think anybody, people should put their money anywhere else right now like no every other asset's garbage and trending to zero and in the short term bitcoin's still super bullish i i just don't see how we avoid another bubble top later in the year um and the reasoning is shitcoining is stronger than ever Uh, The scam marketing is super effective. My poor brother-in-law just called me very excited about blockchain and crypto and showed me his basket of shitcoins. And he was concerned about Bitcoin energy fund. Um, Ah, yes, of course. It's boiling the oceans. Yeah, you probably get this too. But I got texted by multiple people last week asking me to help them buy buy altcoins. Um, And every other shitcoin account has tens or hundreds of thousands of followers. And I've been screaming about sound money for eight years. I got about 500 people, you know, (laughs) and you can't make a dent by blocking them. It's like whack-a-mole. Um, but you know, is Bitcoin is so, I'm sorry,
0: go ahead, Phil. Oh no, no, I, I was just going to, I was just going to say to your point, you know, that it's because, um, what we're saying is not fun. It, it doesn't give them the, the people don't see things, um, accurately. And as a result, they get fooled by the technology, uh, narrative, or they get fooled by the unit bias, right. Or they mm-hmm. just simply get fooled because they, they really don't know any better in general. And yeah, you I, know what I mean? So yeah, sorry, continue.
1: Oh man, (laughs) I I just don't think we have the foundation to sustain hyper Bitcoinization yet. And there's a lot of influencers that get carried away because being really bullish is fun in the cells. I guess one argument that I agree with is that the crashes might not be as severe because there's some smarter money now and people understand Bitcoin more. Um, But corporate treasuries only account for about 7% of Bitcoin supply. And and by the way, that number just went down a little bit. more financial leaders starting to realize they look like morons if they denounce bitcoin but very few of them actually understand bitcoin um and it maybe it wouldn't be surprising if we crashed 60 percent this time rather than 85 percent for the last two times but but who knows this thing always surprises us but you know to your point right okay so there's a couple of things okay so fine
0: i i agree with you i don't think this is the super cycle okay I don't think that this is the super cycle that carries us to hyper Um but I, I do. I do believe that we are still in a bull run, um, yeah, and I and me I too. and I do believe. Like, okay, fine, right? So let's say we let's say we see. Uh, what What do you think we see at the top of this bull run?
1: Uh, I would preface this by saying I have no idea. Nobody knows, but my guess would be two hundred to three hundred.
0: Okay. So we're in the same ballpark. Okay. So we're, I'm thinking around the same thing. Perfectly fine. All right. So Bitcoin crashes. So let's say Bitcoin, like you said, there's more institutional holders or there's way more, let's say, foundational money in sitting in Bitcoin for, you know, for longer, let's say, uh, because there is actually charts uh, showing the outflows of money from the exchanges is at all time highs. So mm-hmm. that that's mean, good. You know, that is a good thing. That means that people are simply taking their Bitcoin off of the exchanges and they're hodling it rather than the money going into the exchanges. But um, yeah. so there's just a, oh, there's a lot of
1: dumb money in, in Bitcoin and crypto now.
0: Oh, yeah. So so let's say we see the, the pullback of like the 60 percent. Right. Well, 60 mm-hmm. percent of, you know, of like uh, of, of the uh, the 300K pulls us back to, you know, like what? Right. Like a, a third. Yeah, you know, two thirds. Sorry, so we're right. back at like, like a one hundred, or 100. Yeah. yeah, back at like hundred, maybe slipping slightly below hundred, maybe where we yeah. maybe where we are right now is that low.
1: Right, right, you know? and I think just long term, the plan is just keep stacking and and, yeah. and find your zen, so you're not even worried about the price. Um, you know, because we, I'm I'm trying to tell people to focus on the number of Bitcoin you have, and that, that's a hard sell, but I think it's it's healthier that way. But, but the point of talking about all this is to try to give people time to mentally prepare. Like the next few months might be face melting and we'll all be like super high, right? And then we'll probably get kicked in the balls again. And if you don't have a plan going in, you're likely to panic and make a bad move. And um, the question really is, will people hold through this and get to 2025? Maybe we'll see a million. Or do we panic sell, we're down 25, 50% and buy Corvettes and think that we won because we got Corvettes. You know, Our lives are gonna change depending on how we react. And it's taboo to talk about, but it's important to visualize a crash and be prepared with a plan. And I think that's the most essential skill to have to win in Bitcoin.
0: I think you're, you know what? I think you're absolutely right. And it does go a bit on a topic that we were talking about before we started recording, right? When, you know, like, you know, when do we think we, we have enough, right? To, to, <laughs> yeah. to decide to like, okay, that's it. I'm, you know, like, I'm good. I'm, I'm living off of my Bitcoin and I'm just sticking in the Bitcoin economy or whatever it is. Um, it's a really, it's a really tough, it's a really tough call because it's exactly what you said, right? You have to have a plan, right? People, well, what's that saying? Uh, people don't plan to fail. They fail to plan.
1: Yeah. And um, everybody's situation is so different. There's, there's no like one plan for everybody, but, and this is very unpopular. Like I'm going to get feed, like pushback on this, but if, if you can get yourself in a situation where you can win in both systems and, and have your freedom like like that's kind of where you want to be um you, you you can be in a situation where you can't lose either way um but you know if i had to bet on one and and i am betting on one it would be the bitcoin side but but if, if you if you have enough bitcoin that you can actually sell 10 percent and win in the other uh system you should think about doing that
0: yep it's, you know, again, right? It, th- this is the thing, okay? So th- this is where we, we end up like butting heads, right? It's because some people are like, no, you should never sell your Bitcoin because of course, yeah. but the thing is what, what some people don't realize is is that there are different circumstances for different people. People are at different mm-hmm. stages in oh. their lives, right? And, and what their plan ultimately is, it doesn't, it doesn't make them any less of a Bitcoiner or something like that. Some guy that's like 85 years old right now that's selling his Bitcoin, I'm not sitting there calling him like a fricking no-coiner. You know, like, dude, you know, the guy's selling his Bitcoin to live. I know there's other people, they make their full-time income on Bitcoin. They are selling their Bitcoin to pay the bills and to feed themselves and their family. So, yeah, yeah, I I mean, it's, again, it's different strokes for different folks. And that is exactly what the point of Bitcoin is.
1: Right. It's about freedom, um, choices. Um, But I feel so strongly about the the crash prediction that I wanted to come out and make a McAfee guarantee. But my daughter said she was going to listen to the podcast, so I can't do that.
0: Okay, good. I, you know what? I'm, I'm actually really happy that your daughter's listening to the podcast because I don't want you making that kind of a guarantee. Okay, no, nobody needs those.
1: <laughs> but um, so, so I wanted to talk a little bit about Peter McCormick. Uh oh, um, going into the Pedro. I, I, yeah, he, <laughs> speaking of dicks, but um, recently, <laughs> he claimed that the toxic maximalists were being mean to him. And, and I want to talk about this even before I heard you talking to Pirate about him the other day. Um, people are mean to Peter because they take offense that he's got a knack for lacking focus on achieving sound money. And he, he's frequently provided this platform for scams, and he acts like a victim when he gets called out on it. Um, so I think it seems clear. I'm sorry? No, no. I was just gonna say,
0: I I think that's a very good point. Continue.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it seems clear that, you know, when you dig deep enough, that, that Bitcoin's like humanity's last chance at achieving sound money. And without this private property protection, like we're not going to find freedom. So if we believe our rights and families can be protected without sound money, then fine. maybe that's not the thing we have to focus on. But if we believe in math, then Jeff Booth's argument that the system is in real trouble makes sense. So if we suspect that friends and family don't have time to be distracted, because they might lose everything soon, then it becomes a moral imperative for a Bitcoin podcast to filter out scams and focus on sound money.
0: Absolutely, you know, hundred percent, and it's, you know, it's kind of, um, I think it's, I, I think it's unfortunate, but it's also interesting that, um, you know, nobody, you know, all of the, uh, the the sponsors don't really care that you know people, you know, plebs see him as you know, uh, disingenuous.
1: yeah if you've got uh, a large uh, market of people uh, a large following that that maybe isn't the toxic pleb type and they're bringing in money then and there's nine of them to one maximalist or or toxic pleb then they're probably going to focus on those nine people um so unfortunately that that's where we are with people like him but but on a personal level like my, my savings were attacked in 2017 and continue to be attacked We've been through a lot of stuff, Segwit2x, BCH, BSV, Coinbase pushing Ethereum, Brian Kelly pushing Ripple, Elon pushing Dogecoin, and, and my life, energy, and time have been attacked. So my, my kid's freedom has been attacked. So influencers like McCormick, who opened the door to scams, in my opinion, are the, the biggest part of the problem. Um, oh, yeah. It's, you know, and, and, and I, I know that
0: people sit there and say, oh, yeah, you know, it, it, I wouldn't be in Bitcoin if, if it wasn't for him. You know, don't get me wrong. But like everybody finds Bitcoin when they're supposed to, so if it wasn't if it wasn't him, it was something else. It was somebody else. It was somewhere else. And yeah. you know you don't need you don't need to get you don't need to get sold uh, a shitty product in order to be um, told proper Bitcoin information, or in some cases just Bitcoin information. It doesn't. It's not even proper.
1: Right. In general, anybody who complains about maximalists being too toxic or trying to shill something, Lop complained we got called out on Grin. Nobody remembers this or talks about it. It was, it was very brief. Uh, Fenton complained we ta- got called out on Raven, and Hoffman complained we got called out on Brodium. And Andreas complained we got called out writing a book about Ethereum, for God's sake. And we know he needed the money because he somehow had no money and needed a bailout during the 2017 bull run. H- how do you have no money during the bull run? Um, so, you I think, know, it's uh, there, there's a there's a long list of of what we call crony bitcoinism going on.
0: I, I think you bring up a, a good point with that. You know that that is really strange. There's like a lot of these like really big influencers that you know don't seem to really um, actually you know walk the you know walk the walk. They don't really they're not they're not re- really hodlers, you know to to the to the fullest sense. And you know it's it's just kind of sad. Like trust me, man. Jameson Lop with Grin, that that was, you know, obviously that was horribly pitiful. And then INX token or whatever that crap was, that was also garbage.
1: Well, the um, Grin thing was supposed to be just like an interesting project. When you, when you looked on the website, it was competing for, to be better money. Um, and a, a lot of these scammers found sympathy on Peter's podcast, and I just was not okay with it.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's and that's you know that that's kind of the issue, right? Because what happens is, and, and this is what people don't understand, is that sure, it may seem harmless to have the I love Bitcoin by these shitcoin people on, but what's happening is is that it's creating a mental link between these, you know, scammy products and Bitcoin. And then you start to think, Oh, they're all the same. They're all the same type of thing. Right. And it's not.
1: Well- when you delay the progress of sound money there, there's a lot of damage that comes along with that um so phil do we have time to talk about some of this vaccine slash vaccine passport stuff
0: oh yeah absolutely man
1: okay uh, this is something i really want to come on and talk about um well,
0: let's let's dive into it because i'm sure it's okay. a touchy topic for a lot of people
1: yeah that makes it more fun though right right <laughs> um so, so I'm disappointed in how a lot of Bitcoiners are handling vaccine choice. And, and I wanted to go over some basic issues, if that was okay. Um, th- there's valid reasons that people could consider getting the vaccine and, and valid reasons why people might avoid a vaccine and, and vaccines may or may not be in your best interest, depending on your situation. Um, and, and I want to make a point that if I misspeak during the argument, it's, it's important to acknowledge there's like no single COVID vaccine. There's many different formulations of COVID vaccines. Um, they all kind of get lumped together. Um, but th- there's a group of people saying, I'm never taking a COVID vaccine, no matter what. And-, and there's another group of people saying, if you don't take a COVID vaccine, you're putting me in danger. So you have to take the vaccine. And, and both groups usually don't back up their stances with logical arguments. Um, True. And <laughs> <laughs> I-, I understand the impulse to just say, no, we've been involuntarily injected with so many bad things. Our-, our money's bad, our jobs are worse, our information's bad. And I just think that the imagery of having to comply with another injection creates red flags. And I get that. Um, But historically, even though vaccines can sometimes cause bad side effects, the the benefit of vaccines has greatly outweighed the risk. And we don't see a lot of measles or polio. And and there's all kinds of vaccines that have prevented a lot of diseases. Um, And and COVID is bad. Um, Exactly how bad is debatable, but it's bad. And and most of us know people who died of COVID allegedly, or know people who died, know people know people who died of COVID. Um, And and COVID vaccine-related deaths are very rare compared to COVID-related deaths. And our information really stinks um if you google covid vaccine deaths you get deaths after covid vaccine rather than like a more clear number for deaths directly due to covid vaccine so if millions of people get a vaccine there's going to be some deaths after getting the vaccine Uh, but the actual known uh deaths to be uh known to be caused by covid vaccines are extremely rare um did you hear dr bitcoin md talking on prince's podcast i did not Oh, he was, he was talking about something that's kind of well-known, but he was talking about how it's known that hospitals receive more money for death by COVID than death by other causes. I had heard that as well. Yeah. So there's like this financial incentive to label death by COVID. But if you dig into that, like that might not even be like a, uh, attempt to increase COVID death rates. It actually costs more money to treat patients in isolation rooms. Um, and we have to consider that doctors are working in a hospital system that might close or fire them if the margins aren't good enough. So of course, labeling is weighted towards that, which is more profitable. So for example, like let's say a patient comes in with a COVID infection and they have a history of congestive heart failure and emphysema and the COVID exacerbated heart failure, which then caused the patient's lungs to fill up with fluid and, and the patient dies of respiratory failure. Like, what do you label that? Um, <laughs> is the doctor going to just pick one or, or since it's fuzzy, does it pick COVID cause that's in his best interest? Um, like the most honest thing to do would be for him to sit down and write two pages dissecting the different contributing factors and assign percentages to each thing but he doesn't have time for that he just has to put a label on it so he can move on um, he doesn't really care what they call it so you might as well just put the diagnosis that's best for the hospital so i could see how that would affect the numbers a little bit um, but i get that people are skeptical of the numbers but even if the covid fatality numbers are 50 percent off of the reported more than 3 million deaths due to covid it's clear that magnitudes more people die of covid than of covid vaccines and I'll, I'll even qualify that by saying so far. Um, in the U.S., the last time I checked, there was one reported death considered to be due to a COVID vaccine. And there's a handful of life-threatening blood clots in people's brains, which is bad. But, but these rates uh, were less than one in a million for the Johnson & Johnson vaccine only. Um, and I don't want to discount those serious potential side effects, but Bitcoiners are usually all about the math.
0: I, um, I actually, and again, I, I don't know if this is just like conspiracy type stuff, but I, I had read, (laughs) I had read essentially that it, it, you know, the whole thing with, um, the, um, the dramatizing the Johnson and Johnson vaccine has to do much more with corporate politics than anything else. Maybe, I don't know, but I I don't know that, you know, I'm just saying that's one of the things that one of the angles that I heard.
1: Yeah. Um, but I, I've talked to a lot of people that told me that the symptoms of COVID infection were really terrible. And I've talked to a lot of people who had mild symptoms or even no symptoms. So a lot of the confusion, I think, um, is coming from the fact that COVID doesn't necessarily affect everybody the same way. So there's a lot of people saying, oh, it's nothing. And a lot of people saying, oh, it's terrible. And nobody seems to agree on this. But it's just it's different for different people. Um, so, so I wanted to go through some common arguments that are circulating on, on Twitter. I think some are more valid than others. Um, cool. Let's do it yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, so one big misconception um is that the public thinks that messenger rna vaccines in, in america that'd be the pfizer and moderna were like develop developed overnight but there's papers going back to the 90s about using lipid encapsulated messenger rna to make proteins that cause an immune response so most of the work done to develop these vaccines was done pre-covid so it's not like scientists are just totally winging it with that um And and with these messenger RNA vaccines, the short-term safety profile is actually really good. Um, There seems to be more emerging safety questions regarding the non-messenger RNA vaccines than there are for the messenger RNA vaccines. Um, I guess if somebody said, there's no medium to long-term safety data and there's no medium to long-term efficacy data, and therefore that's a non-starter for me, so I'm out, I would buy that as a legitimate argument. Um, Mathematically, for most adults, the benefit of a COVID vaccine outweighs the risk. But I, I do think that that argument's valid. I, I don't think I could argue with that.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, and if somebody said, I'm young and healthy, and my loved ones are also reasonably healthy, so the benefit is not worth the risk to me, I think that's fair too. Um, I, you know, I, I just wanted to say before you
0: continue, um,
1: yeah.
0: you know, the, my biggest problem with it is this, okay? I, I don't have an issue with vaccines or anything like that. I, I understand that the mainstream media is horrible at providing objective uh, information for yes. people to make decisions with. And, and that is my whole problem. You know, it's like, I, I, I think that there would be a lot less um, uh, polarizing views, right? The anti-vaxxers versus the you have to vaxxers. I think there'd be a lot less of that if we, uh, if we had media that wasn't essentially uh paid to provide certain viewpoints based on you know political donations or whatever it is and or, or whatever donations they are I, I i just that that to me is the biggest um you know the i guess the the saddest thing about all of this right because it's a yeah. disservice to everyone even these people giving the information in these play like in the mainstream media they are doing a disservice to their fellow men and women you know
1: absolutely um I, that's why I wanted to try to break down like kind of a framework of the issues so we could talk about it better. Um hundred percent. But, you know, if somebody said like, I'm not comfortable with the vaccine, not being FDA approved, like that sounds valid, but I'd point out there's a lot of situations where the FDA approves a lousy drug or doesn't approve a good drug. So maybe FDA approval is not all that important. And for the conspiracy theorists, if, if the COVID vaccine was a government conspiracy, wouldn't the FDA approve the vaccines then? Um, that's true. And, <laughs> so and another issue is uh, if somebody said I'm not comfortable with drug companies receiving immunity from liability I, I think that's reasonable uh, but they're presumably immune from liability because the vaccines were rushed so that just gets back to the main concern of limited efficacy and safety data um, and honestly as a patient like whether I can sue the pharmaceutical company doesn't play much into my decisions because I don't assume the systems can be fair to me if something bad happens uh, your, your doctor's always writing in the chart that he told you something horrible could happen anyhow. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, that's true. One issue that I do, uh, I am concerned about is I think forcing children to get a vaccine with unestablished medium long term profiles to mainly protect the sick and the elderly is bad because they can get vaccines and wear masks if they choose to. Um, I, I'd be more comfortable with kids considering getting the vaccine if we knew more about the vaccine over a longer period of time. Um, And another thing to consider that isn't really talked about is mandatory vaccinations are not a new concept. Uh, Pretty much all of us got MMR vaccines, right? Yep. It was just something that you did. And we've been injected with a lot of foreign organic material already, if you know what I'm saying. Um, But I I don't think that we really thought about this much before. It just makes you wonder how well those older vaccines were studied before they were made mandatory. Um, Yeah, that's true. Um, one argument I've seen a lot of Bitcoiners make is that vaccinations are experimental gene therapy. Have you seen that one? Oh, absolutely. Um, Because they're using this messenger RNA that's kind of a novel technique. And I had to call two of my smarter big shot doctor friends to learn more about this. Um, And gene therapy in its traditional sense is inserting or deleting genes in the cell nucleus to reprogram an organism's DNA. And the messenger RNA uh, vaccines don't do that um, they don't even enter the cell nucleus, they, they enter the cell body, and they're, they're encapsulated in lipids, and they induce the cell's uh, machinery, the ribosomes, to briefly make viral spike proteins. And it's these proteins that cause the immune response, and the proteins seem to only be expressed briefly for a couple of days, and then the messenger RNA degrades. So there's no permanent gene alteration or protein expression. Um, in fact, because the protein expression is so brief that the Pfizer and Moderna require the second booster shot, and unfortunately, might require future booster shots uh, to maintain immunity. But I think when you break it down that way, um, the gene therapy, the the, uh, experimental gene therapy angle doesn't really make sense. Um, And and the actual viral infection enters your cell and reproduces all of its proteins. So if you were concerned with genetic expression of foreign proteins, then you'd want to avoid the actual virus uh, because with the messenger RNA vaccines, only a specific target protein is created. Um, so for example, the chance of a bad autoimmune reaction is much worse with actual COVID infection than it would be with a messenger RNA COVID vaccine.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, so I've just, I've yet to see an actual messenger RNA concern followed up by any good arguments about why messenger RNA is adding to any traditional uh, vaccine risks. Um, and and so, some people say you vaccinated suckers are part of a research experiment <laughs> but they don't back it up with any theories about what kind of experiment, like an experiment to what end. Um,
0: no, it's just the they... general experiment.
1: Yeah. So are they trying to mutate people in other species or do they want to just control your bodies? And I know a lot of people out there are, are like nodding right now, but, but seriously, what is the end game? Like, that seems like a silly argument.
0: Do you think maybe we become the X-Men? I hope so. I mean, I would so love that, right? Like, why can't why why can't stuff like this actually be awesome, right? Like, why, <laughs> I, I'd love to get a special power instead of something else.
1: <laughs> well, the government's so inefficient, they might screw that up and give us superpowers. You know, um, that, that could be cool. <laughs> like, the whole notion of COVID vaccinations being experimental is like a little sensationalized. Um, most seasons we get a new version of the flu vaccine, so every flu season we're running a bit of an experiment, if you want to think of it that way. Um, and in fact, like every therapy ever is a bit of an experiment. The doctors prescribe therapies, and they work, or they don't work, or they cause a problem. And hopefully, we have a good percentage of uh, uh, good outcomes. But the word "experimental" is just noise when we talk about medical outcomes. So, um.
0: so let me <laughs> at, let, let me ask you this um, because uh, I I wanted to. I wanted to get your thoughts on the, the vaccine passports, though, because to me, like oh, yeah. like you said, right, like we're talking about the vaccines and I, I think you brought up some really, you know, some really good points. Um, but at the same time, right, like when does when does um, uh, something like that become yep. become some type of popul wow. like population control measure, you know?
1: I am very concerned about that. Can I make one more point before we get there? Oh, 100%. Um, Because I think this one's important too. We've also heard that pharmaceutical companies just care about money and and we all care about money, but the Moderna vaccine is two injections and it costs $9.51 per shot. So I prescribe medicines that cost several thousand dollars a month. So if the end goal is making money, then the media would probably be focused on another disease. So I think that was an important part of the argument too. Um, But but yeah, vaccine passports, I'm, I'm very concerned about that. Um, I think fear is being used, you know, that the media is being used as a tool to get people to accept the idea of passports. And, and if they become commonly used, I don't think they're going to stop at vaccine status is the only criteria that we're judged by. So like if we normalize a system that can restrict X, if, if somebody doesn't comply with Y, then, and the system is installed at the gatekeepers, then X and Y can pretty much be anything that they want.
0: You know, I, I just want to quickly talk about the the mainstream media in this respect. Okay, I just want to uh-huh. add one thing. So they created the confusion with all of their non factual um, narratives, right? And and then after that, you then have to create a coercive fear campaign to force people to get a vaccine. Like right. it, it just it just seems psychotic.
1: Yeah, I think. Like, why isn't the truth good enough? I, I think that the vaccine might be a means to get vaccine passports, which might be a means to get a global social credit system. So the vaccine itself doesn't necessarily have to be the conspiracy. Exactly, it so doesn't. I, that's the interest. Like, it, what I'm talking about is it doesn't make any sense for there to be a conspiracy to give you a vaccine that like doesn't work or, or hurts you. Like the, what makes sense is the control that could be gained by a system where the vaccine was the entry point of that system.
0: It, yes, and, and that's exactly kind of it, right? Like, so there's going to be people that'll sit there and say, well, you know, I had to provide vaccination records before I sent my children to elementary school. That may be true, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I, I'm sure that I, I'm sure my parents provided vaccination records before I went to, uh, to elementary school. Um, right. But the difference becomes, the thing is, when does too much become too much? Right. So what happens when you have to start presenting vaccination records to go to a grocery store, to go to the movies, to get on an airplane? I've never had to provide vaccination records to get on to an airplane. I understand if you're entering another a foreign country and you have to show certain vaccination records. There's nothing, you you know, like I'm, you know, so that's I get that.
1: When we were going to school and, and we had to give our vaccination records, I don't think that at the time they were even thinking of a system of control. But I think that times have gotten um, to the point where increasing control is, con- is, is becoming more necessary in our ruler's eyes. <laughs> um, I agree. But, but like it might, it might start with being unable to fly or cross borders, like if you don't get the vaccine, but after these systems are in place, you know, like you said, the airport, or the grocery store, maybe, maybe you can't vote or receive UBI if your app says you were caught protesting or, or buying a 3D printer. Or, or if you're a guest on the phone with Bitcoin podcast because you're associated with that scoundrel Phil, you know, <laughs> there's no limit to where they could take a system like that once we normalize it.
0: No, exactly. Right. That's exactly it. It's like, when does it stop?
1: Yeah. So, so as fiat currency collapses, there's going to be increasing attempts to maintain control over desperate people. So people supporting vaccine passports are hurting civil rights. And So we should really try to boycott any goods or services requiring vaccine passports. That's totally different than vaccines.
0: I totally agree 100%. I I want nothing to do with vaccine passports. Um, But I'm not an anti-vaxxer in any way, shape or
1: form. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think most of us are kind of neutral. Um, But but exactly. Another issue with vaccine passports is even if they limit the scope of civil rights restrictions of vaccine status, like what about the many millions of people that already had COVID? Like most of them presumably already immune to COVID. So should they have their rights taken away if they don't get the vaccine? Right. Um, but, and, yeah. and should
0: they, and should they have to show documentation that they already had COVID, uh, before they can go into a, you know, before they could take a, a plane or something yeah, like that? Just,
1: like we just don't want to normalize that system. Exactly. Um, but, but I think quote anti-vax people like have a right to be upset if vaccinated people supported passports or use businesses and services that require passports. Um, like another related topic is lockdowns, which, which aren't right, but like, regardless of, um, Regardless of that, like vaccines should stop, should help end lockdowns. Um, like evidence regarding lockdown efficacy is mostly anecdotal. Uh, like people will say we had a lockdown and hospitalizations went down, or they'll say we didn't have a lockdown and hospitalizations went down. So I've heard that people use this argument both ways. And, and lockdowns are like taking away civil rights to try to solve a problem. And that's a really slippery slope. Um, and it'd be more idea if we were just better at solving problems like, like producing hand sanitizer and vaccines and hospital beds. Um, and, and a lot of people, if you notice on Twitter, people are debating like, well, the lockdown, we should have it cause it's effective. But, but I want to make the point that even if restricting rights is, uh, with things like lockdowns and travel restrictions are beneficial to limit the virus, it's just wrong to take away one person's civil rights to benefit other people. Um, so that's a line that we should not cross. Um, and so I think that question of whether limiting civil rights is effective should be considered irrelevant, um, as we debate these things, um. But hmm. if it's accepted that restriction of civil rights is a solution, of last resort, given the financial status of governments and most people, we can expect to lose more rights as time progresses, because things aren't getting better.
0: How are they rights then?
1: You know, <laughs> I, they're not rights anymore. Yeah. Now they're just privileges. Yeah. 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 Well, it's kind of like owning your house. Um but, you know, in grade school, we'd see images, of uh, textbooks of Nazi Germany, Gestapo, persecuting German citizens or U.S. police spraying people water hoses during the civil rights movement. And we thought that could never happen again because we're so enlightened now. But we accept it now because it's like a bad flu virus going on.
0: Exactly. People don't, you know, it, it's really, really sad. And um, I, I personally, I, I'd like to say that it gets better from here. Um, but I think, unfortunately, it gets worse before it gets better.
1: Yeah, yeah. But, but that all being said, like I see this sentiment on Twitter that, that Bitcoiners who have been vaccinated are brainwashed, and they're not real Bitcoiners anymore. And, and that's I saw unfair. That. And, unfair. <laughs> and it fabricates division for no good reason. It's like people are angry and striking out, but they're poorly informed about why they're mad. So they're acting like traditional voters. Um, Agreed being pro having the choice to take a vaccine with maybe fuzzy efficacy and fuzzy safety data is much different than being pro restriction of rights if people don't comply. And that's really the, the part that we should all be focusing on. Yeah. Um, so I personally think that the vaccine itself is probably well intentioned, but our rulers are trying to seize the opportunity to increase control. Cause they always do that. Um, that's right. There's, there's this campaign to create fear because scared people are more willing to give their rights away. So implementing a vaccine passport system could be a great means of control. And I think that makes sense. So there doesn't necessarily have to be a conspiracy regarding the vaccine itself. Um, And if you're a little paranoid like me and you're concerned about vaccine status, opening the door to vaccine passports and vaccine passports opening the door to implementing global social credit system, then wouldn't it be easier to implement these systems if the vaccine actually works and didn't harm people too much? Like if you did believe in vaccine passports being a threat, it makes no sense for the strategy to be using a non-effective harmful vaccine. Hmm. Um, <laughs> so, um, so I think that getting a COVID vaccine might be a good idea, depending on your situation in, in my non-biased opinion, um, you know, not everybody who got vaccinated is a brainwashed moron. Like I got vaccinated in the setting that my wife and I are both physicians working in hospitals that treat COVID patients and we're both high risk and we're exposed to each other, which makes us double high risk. So like that alone makes me want to tell like basement laptop warriors to fuck off for criticizing people just because they took the vaccine. But in addition to that, we both have senior citizen p- parents and we made the choice to accept risk to hopefully protect them. And we have senior patients and we made the choice to accept risk to hopefully protect them. And, and another part of the decision-making that wasn't considered enough is, is like the timeline. Like frontline people got the vaccine way back in December and January. And we just had less information back then. So somebody who got the vaccine early was making a decision in a different setting than somebody who may or may not get the vaccine now.
0: Frito, um, now I don't know that it's you anymore. You could be somebody else. Yeah, It could be, I, it makes you into an agent Smith. That's right. I, yeah. I mutated.
1: Right. Um, <laughs> no, I went, I, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I went uh oh gosh, who was, who was the latest guy to, turn, to flip and turn scammer? I guess maybe Raul.
0: Raul's yeah. always been a scammer, but he's just been, <laughs> but he's just been more vocal lately about the scamming.
1: Right. Maybe Roger Veer got the COVID vaccine in, in 13. Um, but, but like the decision to vaccinate or not like depends on your personal situation. There's a lack of information. And like you said, a lot of misinformation. So there's no absolute right or wrong answer, but we should just respect each other's personal health decisions. Um, I like that. That's true. And you know, I think, I think for Bitcoiners to be on the same page, like what we have now can't be the new normal. We, we can't keep having lockdowns and mandated mask wearing and public and businesses being shut down and, you probably see it too, but a lot of people are unraveling. There's there's a lot of mental health damage happening. hundred um, percent. It, and it's it's getting worse. Yeah. People are afraid to leave their houses and like non-trivial numbers of people are dying because they're too scared to go out and get routine medical care. Um, and, and grandmothers shouldn't be wearing three masks or saran wrap bodysuits every time they see their grandkids. And our kids are going to be scarred from this.
0: Oh yeah. No, this is, this is horrible. I can't even imagine what this is going to do to these poor kids that are growing up in this i could never imagine i I saw kids running around at a playground wearing masks and i'm like what the fuck kind of life is that for a kid like i i mean i get it it's great they're with their friends but it's horrible like i for me it's like i you know you didn't realize we didn't realize how free we were till i saw them in, in in cages you know what i mean so to speak
1: yeah yeah i tell my daughter like i don't want you to think that everybody acting scared and angry is normal um People are just losing their minds. But but I think it would be more constructive if instead of saying, if you got the vaccine, then you suck. Like certain people should say like, I don't want to get the vaccine, but look, if you're really concerned about COVID, you had your chance to get the vaccine. So, so now we need to end lockdowns and mandatory mask wearing and we need to let all businesses open up fully. And I think with this more rational mindset, like Bitcoiners could mostly be on the same page. Um, yep. And like, regardless of vaccine status, like we should resist downloading an app trading personal health information and God knows what else in return for human rights. Like we really don't need to go to that football game or that restaurant or travel to that state that requires that. Um, but, nope. uh, but I hope that this discussion helps to stop pointless Bitcoin or division. <laughs> I, re- I appreciate you letting me come on and, and discuss these issues. Uh, <laughs> Dude,
0: it's, it's my pleasure. And I honestly, you know um, I, I look forward to us doing this again.
1: Oh, I'd love it. I know it. it's and- great. Yeah, thank you for being a friend and your, your dedication to Bitcoin and, and tolerating me once again.
0: Oh, please, please, man. You're, you're awesome. You know, you're one, of the, you're one of the first people I started uh, talking with uh, on, on Twitter, on Bitcoin Twitter. And, uh, you know, we become good friends, man. So I
1: appreciate it. Oh, yeah. I love keeping in touch with you. Um, so, um, yeah. I, do you have any questions about any of this stuff?
0: No, I don't actually have any questions. I, I just wanted to, you know, for me, it's just about going through the, you know, going through the journey. You know, it's like whether or not I, um, I shouldn't say that I agree or disagree because I, I don't really sure. have enough frame of reference or information that I truly um, have conviction in to, yeah. to say otherwise. Um, I wish I did because then that would mean that there would be that type of information available. Um, which I don't believe there is. Um, so, (laughs) but I think in general, like,
1: you know, know, uh, people, Bitcoiners should be, uh, able to speak with each other without getting all emotional about the issues. And I hope we can kind of just take it down. Like whether you agree with what I said or not, whatever, but we should just be able to take it down to a, a rational level and discuss issues. Um, but, but I don't, I think a lot of people aren't discussing the issues very well.
0: I, th- I think so. And, and again, I think this goes back to the, the misinformation because y- you can't, you know, it's like when the language is constricted and the, the details are blurred, you're, you're not, you know, we're not talking, we're not telling an accurate story, right? We're, we're, we're telling, a, you know, it's like broken telephone, you know, yes. to, to really simplify um, it. And, that, and that's really how it feels. Like, I, I hate that feeling. Like, it's like, I don't even know what I think because
1: I, I don't know if I can trust it. <laughs> That's just most issues in the world now. Um, but hopefully in our circle of what we think are intelligent people, you know, we should be able to have good discussions and figure things out.
0: Yeah, man. I agree. Anyways, dude, this was a great, great rip. And uh,
1: thank you so much for joining me on my show. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me. Um, before I go. Yeah. Um. Like any good UFC fighter worth his salt, I want to end this night with a call-out. Oh. Uh, all right, so, so Pirate Beach Bum, if you're listening, I challenge you to getting together and doing a Toxic Pleb roundtable at some point. It would be fun to destroy scams with you and make fun of Raul's scarf.
0: Oh, my God. All right, you heard it here first. He's getting called out, the Pirate. Is he, <laughs> he going to join a roundtable? We'll see. Frito, man, thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining. Thanks again, Joe. Cool. Take it easy. All right. I hope everybody enjoyed my chat with Frito2x. His contact details for Twitter will be in the show notes. And of course, if you want to reach me, Twitter or Telegram, I'm at CoinIcarus. If you want to shoot me an email, I am CoinIcarus at funwithbitcoin.com. Thank you all for listening. Catch you all next time.